0: Welcome to the Grazing Grass Podcast, Episode 8. The electric fence is a game changer, especially with just one strand. You're listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers produce forages for livestock. I'm Cal Hardage, your host. And on today's episode, we're talking about grazing and milking water buffalo with Jose from Rocking TT Bar. Jose tells us about water buffalo. How he manages them for milking, as well as for beef, and what his plans are. But before we get Jose on here, if you're listening to our podcast, please subscribe if you haven't. Also, please share our episodes. If you go to grazinggrass.com, you can find out more about our show and our notes for each episode, as well as our links to our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We encourage you to share our posts spread the word. And with that, let's get Jose on here. Jose, welcome to the Grazing Grass podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about your yourself and your operation? Sure. Um, I'm originally from Venezuela,
1: where I grew up in a water buffalo ranch. Um, I realized that that's what I wanted to do as far as a profession. So I started going to vet school in Venezuela and I um, Halfway through it, I was able to get a scholarship that allowed me to go to Montana State University, where I studied uh, animal and ranch science. And with that, I went back to Venezuela, working the family farm, and um, then with all the changes that happened in Venezuela, eventually I left and uh, my wife, uh, being from the States, came back to Colorado to be with her side of the family and uh, ended up here in Colorado, working in other cattle ranches. And then, after doing that for about seven years, Colorado legislation changed to allow for uh, the grow the growth of, of the water buffalo as a domestic species. So it used to be classified as an exotic species, which was uh, a mistake. Oh, okay. It was classified the same as the Asian, as the sorry, as the African water buffalo. So it's two different beasts. You cannot even cross, be, cross breed the Asian water buffalo. With the African water buffalo, so once they corrected that mistake and classified correctly the Asian water buffalo under domestic species, that didn't happen until 2016, and that opened up the doors for me to start doing it. I never really contemplated doing it. It's just the circumstances of my life. You know, I really missed the water buffalos, and at that point, I had had plenty of experience with uh, cattle, uh, specifically with black angus. And I really miss the water buffalo <clears throat> as far as uh, how productive they are, how docile they are,
0: and how much they thrive on, uh, on the range line without any kind of supplements. How do they compare to, your, to Angus cattle? I've never been around water buffalo, been around cattle a lot. Okay. So I like to say
1: that uh, they're kind of like a cow, but uh, with the brain of a horse. Oh, okay. So a lot smarter, like they really pick up, for example, they they pick up on their names, like they can be in the field and they can call their names and they know who I'm calling. Oh, yes. And they pick up on that pretty quick. So so that's that's one of the things that, that happens. The other thing is that they, they are naturally attracted to being around people, you know, depending on the kind of handling you have, but they want to be around people. Um, so, when I go to the field and I brush and my pet and my hang around them, they all want to be around. They all want to be, be- brushed. They all want to be, oh, kind yeah. of say hello and come and lick me. So, that kind of handling makes it a lot easier because it allows me to handle a herd without needing horses, without needing mm-hmm. a lot of employees. I can go in the field and basically call them, and they will come. To where I am, instead of having to push them to a place, I'll call them to a place. So that's a lot more powerful. Oh, yes. I like to compare it with like magnets, you know, it's a lot more precise to attract another magnet to where you want to go than to push a magnet to where you want it to go.
0: Yes, it is.
1: Uh, so the power of attraction is more strong, it's stronger than the power of repelling something. And using that as a tool just allows me to handle the animals. Easier, you know, as far as taking less time to move the animals from one pasture to another, as far as loading up the animals in a trailer without using a corral, just going out in the field and being able to load them up. Uh, as far as teaching them to respect uh, an electric fence, I use just one strand of electric fence, which is really the game changer when it comes to rotational grazing. Oh, yeah. So, like I was explaining to you, I lease pasture, and most of these places only have a perimeter fence that in most most of the time is really in a very bad shape. And a really big expense of any ranch is just maintenance of the fence. And uh, if I go into lease property to spend a lot of time and money repairing fences and subdividing pastures, at the end, I'm really not going to make any money at the end of the grazing season. So the electric fence is a game changer, especially with just one strand. and that it makes it really cheap just using electric twine, you know, it's just a magic tool. Oh, yeah. And I've used electric fence before, and it's, it's you know, always when you compare it with a uh, barbed wire fence, it's cheaper to build to put up just because mostly because of the distance of the posts, right? Oh, That's right. one of the biggest factors. You- but it's still a big, a big expense where the plastic insulators, yes, and uh, it becomes a permanent feature where you are. so. Just one of the breakthroughs as far as the rotational grazing and being able to move these animals around and set up a cheap fence is being using uh, baling twine as your insulator. Oh, yes. So if you tie that to the fence and and actually use a little tension, pulling away from the posts... Right, you can even use trees that are existing in the pasture. Oh, so my yeah. trees, most of the time, is tree or brush, grabbing a brush together, tying up with twine, becomes a post. So that way just and when you need T post, a T post, and then tie the twine to it. You cut the expense by half or more. Oh, yes. Yeah, that that's a good so tip. that's been a big breakthrough in electric fences. I've always tried to do it the, the, you know how to find a, a way to do it cheaper, but this being the biggest game changer.
0: So you talked about least pasture. What kind of pasture are you grazing and what kind of forages are there? So I
1: look uh, for them to have at least like I was saying the perimeter fence and to have some a good uh, water source. Then oh, after yeah. that is uh for the animals to have uh, shade uh, or some kind of protection from the winter and the snow. Um the shade is important. The water buffalo, people think right away that they need a mud bottle, a lake, or a pond. And what they they use that is to regulate the temperature, right? Temperature okay. control in the middle of the day, in the time of the day. That's when they go in the mud bottle, in the river, in the water. So if you don't have that, you can have shade. It's an alternative, and that works just fine. So that's what I look for is where are the animals going to eat, where are the animals going to drink, and where are the animals going to regulate the temperature, and because of our conditions here in the winter time, are they gonna hide from the from the snow, I and mean, it's mostly okay. the wind. You know, when you get this big storm, it's the wind with the snow, not so much the snow itself. Uh, so, and that's something that I can build up. I build some temporary structures in the places that I keep them in the winter. As far as windbreaker, using cattle panels and plywood, and um, I use for the calf basically a greenhouse. Uh, structure that is they call a tunnel oh yeah that is a really cheap structure with a plastic and you create basically a barn that you build up in a day and it stays warm in there builds up the heat in the day and it stays uh, dry so it's a perfect place for the calves to sleep so the the things that i that i do with my with my herd there's a few things that are different not only is that the the water buffaloes are unique in colorado and different in the united states but uh, the rotational grazing that I do on the dairy, I don't supplement the animals. They thrive on just the native rangeland. Oh, okay. So it's just a, a 100% grass-based uh, milk production, which would be really hard to do with a hosting or guernsey oh, or yes. any other cow. They just really would struggle. You know, they would just will take a toll in their fertility, and over time, they just wouldn't last. So another difference between the buffaloes and the cows is uh, how long they live. A cow, a, a water buffalo will live 20 to 25 years. Oh, okay. And that's twice as long. So that makes yes. a difference. And uh, another difference is uh, reaching puberty, it takes them a little longer. So you get the first calf of a uh, black angles when they're two years old. In a water buffalo, there's some exceptions, you might get some at two year old, but for the most part, it's when they're three years old. So oh, it takes okay. them a little longer to reach
0: puberty. And then do they calve every year after that or yeah. Every year. Yes. Every year. And then the milk production varies, you know, as far as volume
1: and the month of production, you know, and there's something to do work on in this country just because uh, most of the operations that have existed so far has been uh, extensive grazing, large operations. Oh, yes. So very few producers have been focused on really doing the work of improving the genes for milk production. And, uh, we have the tools to do that with uh, semen from Italy. That is the one country that is allowed uh, imports of uh, frozen semen for artificial insemination. Oh, yeah. And that will be a tool that will help us over time build up the herd for milk production. And do you AI your cows? Uh, not at the moment. Uh, this year, um, I have some really good bulls that are actually half Italian. And I have found uh, over time that that's a really good way to do it is animals that are uh, half 50, 50, uh, the way they have more of the genes that are already from this country or from this area. Oh, yes, yeah. You bring the genes from no production. So I got my bulls are half Italian and I got a few cows that are half Italian bloods and um, we plan on doing some artificial insemination in the future. Uh, with some some uh, selective cows to do that with. That could be also a very expensive endeavor if you're not really focused on what you're doing and what the ultimate purpose of that is. But it will be just some, on some specific cows to
0: produce bulls for the herd. Oh, yes. Yep. Replacement bulls, yeah. Do you see a, a big improvement on milk production on your half Italian cows? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> that makes a difference. There's that, and and also another part that makes a really big difference is the disposition and the training, right? Obviously, okay. a cow that is just not used to handling and it's just a fight, you're never going to get the, the milk that she's capable of producing. So, Right. Yeah, having the animals trained and used to this handling makes a big difference. Animals that want to come in and want to be milked. Those always will produce more than the ones that you have to go and chase. Oh, yes. No matter what kind of genes they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I always like to say that attitude is the first uh, filter as far as selecting animals.
0: I, I've i seen on your Instagram page where you're out in the pasture milking them, um, which is just, yeah. I grew up on a dairy, of course, cattle, but um, majority of our cows were not that tame so do you go out each day to where they are to milk them or how's that how's that work for you yeah so, so the mobile system is having a trailer where
1: they i i park the trailer in the field as part of the rotational grazing so i go to a new pasture i move the trailer and the trailer becomes their base camp oh you know, okay the trailers where they have the mineral blocks so the trailer it becomes what they're familiar with it you know they're they're naturally comfortable around it becomes a windbreaker with the elements too, and it's where the calves go sleep at night. Oh yeah, and slowly the calves get used to The calves want to go sleep in there, especially if the weather is oh, bad. Oh yeah. So having that mobile, you know, it became it became a, a tool out of necessity, right? Right. But then I realized actually it is healthier for the pasture, and it's a lot cheaper, uh, on on expensive way to run the operation. You know, when you build a barn, it's a really expensive. Investment and then you're tied up to it. And all the pastures around the barn are the ones that get used the most. True. The overload of manure around the barn is huge and the parasite overload is huge and there's no way around it. Right. So it's not something that I thought to to solve these problems. It's just, you know, my my circumstances made me come up with it. But then I realized, well, this is a lot healthier for the pasture and it's a lot healthier for the animals as well.
0: Yes, i i completely agree
1: because I'm building up the herd and I'm training the herd and building up the relationship with different landowners uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm milking them in the field but i'm not milking them in uh on their condition that'll make for grade a milk oh okay the the goal is in the future i am working with the state of Colorado in a design so in the future we can have this system, but under a milking parlor on wheels. oh Okay. That is certified by the state of Colorado. So we can have grade A, grade a milk under these conditions of rotational grazing out in the field, milking them. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. Does, how, or how much milk do you get each day from a water buffalo cow? so I do keep the, the calves with the cows during, during the day. Okay.
1: I separate at night so the calves sleep separate. Okay. And I in the morning when I milk and I milk two of the teats and the calves get two of the teats. Oh, okay. So I, I try not to really compromise the growth of the right. calf or the learning of the calves how to be a buffalo. They spend all day with their mom learning how to be a water buffalo. And uh, I get uh, some of the cows will give me about half a gallon, the heifers. And a mature cow will give me one gallon of those two teats in the morning. Oh, yes. Very good. So one thing about the water buffalo milk is that it's, uh, has a thicker contrast, so it's, it's more dense. Okay. You get more pounds of cheese per gallon of milk compared to cow. So in my experience, it is, it's about 10 uh, liters of uh, cow milk to make a kilo of cheese. And the water buffalo will be about six liters of milk oh, to okay. make one kilo of cheese. Yeah. So it's a significant difference it is, yes. when it yes. comes to
0: making cheese. Yes. And it's A2 milk?
1: Yeah, it is all A2. Kind of like with uh sheep and goat. Oh, yes. Um, and the big difference is how it's uh, pure white. The milk is pure white, it doesn't have any of that yellowish color. Oh, okay. Because uh, the beta carotene uh the water buffalo transform the beta carotene into vitamin A. So it's higher content of vitamin A
0: because of that. Oh, okay. Very good. And when you, so you're rotating them, how often are you moving them to a new pasture? It
1: depends on the size of the pasture, the size of the animal, you know, there's so many variants, you know, I like people, oh, how many cows per acres? You know, the, the variables are huge, you know, depends on the grass, precipitation, how many animals you have how big the field is. So I try to make it so it's between one and two weeks in each field. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Some fields, they might stay for a month, but re- I really don't stay in any field more than a month just because the size or the size of the herd and everything else. That's the way it worked out. Um, and I don't like to keep the, 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 the milking parlor in a place longer than that either. Right. Because- we start getting more wear around it after that. So that's kind of seems to be the ideal about, you know, two weeks.
0: Oh yes. Do you broadcast any seeds? So you plant any annuals like, um, in our area, it's wheat or rye grass, or are you using the forages that's already there, in place?
1: Yeah, it's all the rangeland. It's all rangeland, and helping improve the rangeland. Oh yes. Trying to graze it also with the right time. Some pastures that might have. Uh, Problem with weeds, right? Yes. Like uh, thistles, is one of the problems around right here. Oh, thistles okay. And uh, So trying to hit those pastures right when the flower is at its prime, the water buffalos really like to eat them. So use them also as a tool over time to improve the pasture. So they'll eat the thistle. They are pretty good about leaving the seed pods. So. Oh. after grazing if you don't overgraze and they just graze the, the leaves and you leave the seed pods, that also helps over time improve the pasture oh okay so no i don't i don't i don't bring any seeds it's just help improve what's existing right. and as, as a part of doing that it's also parking the milking parlor in those areas of the pastures that are marginal oh you know, okay. they need that a little extra help with a little more manure right that trampoline is not really going to hurt the grass it's just like Either where there's weeds or where there's more rocky, and yes, you know the grass is just like cheat grass. Those will be the
0: places that is more ideal to go and park the, the milk in parlor. Oh, see, very good. And you also um, process and sell water buffalo meat. The meat, yes, I sell the beef at the farmers market
1: and some of the oh, local yes. restaurants. So the beef is uh is lean, it's lower in lower in cholesterol. It okay. doesn't have as much uh, of that intermuscular fat. So in a way, it's like the opposite of Wagyu. Oh, okay. Right? That has all, right. that, yes. all that fat. So it's kind of a healthier beef. It's not it's not as tender because the intermuscular fat is what gives that that extra tenderness. right? So it's selecting animals that are a little younger, just between a, a year, a year and a half to butcher. Okay. To get a little more tenderness. But the flavor is uh, real sweet. Uh, yes, they gave me flavor because of the grass-fed. Yes. Uh, and it tastes kind of between bison and elk. Oh, okay. So in Colorado, because people have that culture of the hunting elk and people are familiar with the elk, yes. they they understand that and they look for it because of it. And yeah, it's appreciated because of that
0: similarity to the elk, at least around here. Oh, yes. Well, I, I find a water buffalo very fascinating. and the And the pictures you posted um that i've seen on facebook and instagram are also pretty and the the animals look great and they they are so tame which just surprises me so much how calm they are because you're you're just completely all over them and they're fine with it yeah well thank you no and they have to be you know it's
1: part of the thing i I have a one and a half year old that i have to be feel comfortable oh yes walking around the cows you do worry about it you know Right. Important. The same thing would be with any employee. You know, you just have to, otherwise, it becomes a liability. You know, you have an animal that you don't trust and it can hurt an employee. And then instead of having an animal that is an asset, you really have a liability in your hands.
0: Oh, right. Yes. Now, in your experience with water buffalo, are they all pretty calm or do you get some that's pretty nervous too? It's You've really got to manage for that docile yeah no it's a matter
1: it's a matter of handling yes definitely handle makes a big role they do have some of the the natural attitude and disposition right, right. but the way that race makes a huge difference it's kind of like a wild mustang right? oh yes yeah horses can be nice and beautiful but go get a wild <laughs> Mustang, and you're gonna get kicked really-
0: <laughs> true true <laughs> try to train. yes
1: so it's very similar and that was the biggest challenge here because most of the animals come from extensive Racing large herds, okay. right? Nobody's really doing it for milk production. Right. I couldn't really go to another producer and be like, hey, I would like to buy some heifers that I, you know, train halter broken. No, that does not exist or did not exist oh, yes. prior to the time I started doing this. The animals have that disposition and it's why they've been used in Asia for doing work, you know, from plowing the rice fields to, you know, pull a wagon. Being ridden. They have that disposition. They're really good at it. But yeah, the handling and the training makes a big big difference. So I started really small on one hand to really make sure that they were going to perform in Colorado accordingly, which I'll get to. And the other reason is so I could actually train them for these kinds of handling. After I had enough animals, I went ahead and I bought some adults and I introduced them to the herd once the herd was already trained to this kind of handling. Yeah, and at the beginning, some animals caught up with it. Maybe in a week, they came around, and they wanted to be brushed and pet and be around me. Some other ones took me months to have them come around, and they did. But um, it takes work with some of them that come from places that they're not used to people. Now, once they've been around you and they've been around people and their heart are broke, they're extremely easy to handle. But yeah, it takes takes a little bit of work of training them. Right, and once they come from a herd that is been trained like this, everything gets easier.
0: Oh yeah. So as
1: far as yeah, they, as sure. they performing for this weather, okay. uh, I knew that there had been an experiment uh, they did in Montana in the year two thousand and one, where they took uh, five bulls and had them out there exposed to the elements to see how they did. Oh yes. And they made it through the winter just uh, being fed hay, but no shelter, no nothing, just five bulls together. Which is important for them to be a group because they really stay closer together than cows. You know, cows stay as a group. The buffaloes do too, but even tighter together. They graze closer together. They sleep even closer together. Oh, yeah. And in the winter, that makes a difference. They sleep in a bundle. Oh, okay. So that helps them out. Uh, So I knew they could perform in the winter and I knew they could perform at high altitude. In Venezuela, they went from being in the lowlands and expanding everywhere to making it all the way to the Andes. And I seen them there in a place that was high altitude and cold, and I was impressed at the moment seeing wow how oh, the yeah. buffalos can really be just everywhere. Um, and they really can, you know. They have uh, my experience with black angus is uh, frequent. Anyone that has cattle uh, has to deal with uh, foot rot, uh, pink eye. Bloating, diarrhea, none of those have been an issue with
0: buffaloes. Oh, yes. None of it. I have had zero health issues with them so far. So, are you doing any vaccination or worming? You're just.
1: Yeah, deworming. Yeah, deworming is a problem. Oh, okay. And and what impressed me the most actually was uh, external parasite ticks. Particular, a lot of ticks in the spring. Oh yes, Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And in the condition that I have, they're just grazing. And in that time of year, they go through the sagebrush and everywhere else they get covered to the point that they enjoy. And they just stand there with their legs wide open to get their ticks picked. <laughs> you know, the time of year you just go and pick them off. I do oh, spray yes. it for it, but still, <laughs> they just love having a, a tick check. they yeah they like the yeah it's pretty funny that
0: that time of year is hilarious (laughs) oh yes imagine it is well jose we have on our podcast our famous four questions and they're questions we ask every guest so i'm gonna go through them with you what's your favorite grazing grass related book or resource and since we're talking a lot about water buffalo maybe something out there about that
1: You know, not a particular
0: book comes to mind.
1: Uh, I would say the Holistic Management from uh, Savory uh, would be an important one, right? Right. It has a lot of those principles, and uh, it's been around for a while. I think that would be an appropriate book. It applies to
0: all species. Yes, yes. Very good selection there. What tool could you not live without on your farm? A machete. A machete. Uh, that's not yeah. an answer we've had before. <laughs> yeah, machete, for sure. It's
1: a very South American thing, but that's how oh, a yes. choice. Yeah. Very good. I actually have two in my truck under my seat at all oh, times. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very good. And what, what would you tell someone just getting started? Get some hands-on experience first. Yes. Make sure you
1: have that hands-on experience. Yeah, from somebody that... Uh, you admire that you you know that you know that knows or that is around your area that is an old timer perhaps or yeah just get some experience the younger you can get your experience the better yes and the more diverse the experience the best but uh, yeah hands on if you yeah that that's what I learned the most although I had I went I had the the privilege and the opportunity of going to college. It really was all the little jobs that I did when I was younger, learning from all kinds of people, all different things. And it's just it's really opening up your mind of all the different ways that it can
0: be done that you're going
1: to tap into
0: when you need to. You know? Oh, yes. Yes. I was listening to a, a podcast earlier and they said when you're young, you say yes to everything. So you get that experience. As you age, yeah, for sure. you can start saying no to more things. You can hone in on what your skills are. And lastly, where can others find out more about you? So
1: our Instagram page, you can reach us through there, text us, see some pictures and videos, uh, Facebook and Instagram. So it's the Rocking TT Bar. And that's from the brand, right? There's a way to write the cattle brand, right? So it's the Rocker, the Double T, and the Bar. Yes. Rocking TT Bar. So obviously it has the, that, that, that name uh, play with it, right? right? As far as being the, the milk production, right? That's what we produce at the Rocky Titty Bar. <laughs> yes, very good. That's good. So,
0: well, thank you, Jose. We appreciate you being on here.
1: You're welcome. Uh, I hope people can uh, expand a little bit uh, their toolkit with these ideas of the electric fence. Just play with it. I think that's really the biggest breakthrough I've had in the last couple of years as far as seeing things and just coming up with things along the way by necessity. Yeah, electric fence with uh, baling twine. Very good.
0: Thank you for listening to the Grazing Grass Podcast, helping grass farmers produce forages for livestock. Be sure and share this episode with someone. And until next time, keep grazing. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I know I did. Thank you for listening. And if you found something useful, please share it. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends. Get the word out about the podcast. Helps us grow. If you happen to be a grass farmer and you'd like to share about your journey, go to grazinggrass.com and click on Be Our Guest. Fill out the form and I'll be in touch. We appreciate your support by sharing our episodes and telling your friends about it. You can also support our show by buying our merch. We get a little bit back from that. Another way to support the show is by becoming a Grazing Grass Insider. Grazing Grass Insiders enjoy bonus content, monthly Zooms, and discounts. You can visit the website, grazinggrass.com, Click on support, and they'll have the links there. Also, if you haven't left us a review, please do. It really helps us as people are searching for podcasts. And I was just checking them, and we do not have very many reviews for 2024. So if you haven't left us a review, please do. Until next time, keep on grazing grass.